Heavenly Father, we do thank you today that to know you is to know that you are faithful. To know you is to know that you're running after us. And I pray that because we come together today, we join our hearts together today to praise you, to worship you, I pray that you'll give us the opportunity just not only to know that you're running after us, but to solidify in our heart and in our life that that we are constantly running after you. God, thank you for that picture in our mind of, of your arms being wide open, that picture in our mind of our desperate need for you, and that beautiful picture in our mind of what it looks like for us to wrap our lives in your embrace and let the glory that you are not only fulfill our life, but exude from our life. So continue to lead us, God, as we worship you today. Continue to lead us as we open up your word and allow you to speak to our heart. And I pray that the attitude of our heart would be to be obedient to you and run after you in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to join me in opening your Bible again to Psalm 106. Uh, today we're going we're gonna to finish up Book four of the Psalms. We've been in book four of the Psalms uh, for the last several months. And uh, over the last four years, uh, we've done book one, book two, book three. And now today we, we wrap up book four. I don't know about you, but I love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, I love Thanksgiving primarily because it's a heart check. It's a heart check when I realize that Everything I am and everything I have comes from the Lord. And when I realize what awesome benefits God has poured out upon my life, it just reminds me of how valuable my relationship is to Him. I, I trust today that, that you know what it's like to know God and to walk with Him and to walk in fellowship with Him. I was reminded this week of an experience that radically changed my life. Um, when my kids were young, uh, my wife had a great idea. Well, she has great ideas all the time. In fact, uh, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the great ideas that, that, that my wife had. But when our kids were young, she especially had a great idea. She encouraged me uh, to take time each week and intentionally spend one-on-one -on -one with my children. And so uh, when my daughter reached the first grade and first grade through uh, early high school years, uh, every week I would set aside time and we would sit down together at uh, breakfast somewhere. We had a breakfast date together. And then when my son entered the first grade, I mean, he wouldn't settle for a date, and so once a week we had a meeting, and we would meet together once a week and just spend intentional time together. Sometime with my daughter and my son, uh, we would talk about really important things. At, at other times, we would just share life together. We would just talk about things that are important to her, important to him, uh, things that were important to me. And we celebrated life together during those times when they were in elementary and middle school and high school. Uh, we developed a bond together around dates and, and meetings that literally has carried over into our life today. Uh, the result of that relationship time that we spent together was bigger than life. It, it created an environment for our life that just bonded our relationships together. And even today, as I said, as adults, I, I value and I cherish time together with my adult kids. Psalm 106 reminds us that God has done everything possible to have a relationship with you. He's done everything possible to have a relationship with me and with everyone. See, we were created to live in relationship with God. And the only thing that breaks our relationship with God, that separates our relationship with God, is our rebellion against Him. We call that sin. 
Last week, I said that the saddest thing in the world is to live life separated from God. When we live life separated from God, there is no real joy in life. And that's not how God designed us. That's not how God wired us. So today, as we move through the completion of this psalm, last week we looked at verses 6 through 46. Uh, Today we're going to back up and look at the beginning and look at the end of this psalm. And look at the value that relationship with God has in our life. Not a very complex message, but one that can radically change the feelings that you experience in your life. So I'm going to ask several questions as we move through the rest of this passage today. And the first one is this. How's your relationship with God today? Where are you in your daily walk with Him? Do you know Him? Are you one-on-one with Him in that personal kind of relationship like I enjoyed in the growing up years of my daughter and my son? Are you walking constantly and consistently with Him? Are you living daily in His Word? Are you praying daily to Him in faith? Are you fellowshipping with Him around the context of other believers? Are you letting Him use your life to be like the psalmist here? A glowing witness to the world around you, to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors. Is anything coming between you and God today? If it is, I pray that today, right now, before you leave here today, you'll reconnect that relationship with Him that makes all the difference, all the difference in how you view life and all the difference in how life works for you. See, more than anything else, God loves you. And how could anything be more valuable than that as we ride through the rest of the Thanksgiving season and and move into the Christmas season? It's so important that we understand that God is merciful, that God is full of grace, and that we're thankful in our confident walk with Him every day. That's what the psalmist introduces us to here in Psalm 106. That was true with Israel. Their relationship with God was paramount. And it's true with you and me today. So the psalmist begins Psalm 106 and ends Psalm 106 with giving thanks to God. And the the passion of my heart today, the challenge of my life to you today is that when you leave here today, you will leave with the same kind of thanksgiving spirit in your heart that the psalmist had when he sang this song to God. See, giving thanks to God begins one way. And it begins with repentance. Uh, Repentance means that I admit my sin before God. I admit my rebellion against God. Repentance means that I'm truly sorry for the way that I've sinned against God. Truly sorry for the way uh, I have rebelled against Him. When we repent, we, we, we turn away from our sin. We turn away from calling the signals of life ourself. I turn away from my sin and I turn to God and I run to Him. And I say, God, I humbly ask you for forgiveness. I humbly accept the sacrifice that you made through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for the penalty of my sin. When we repent, we exchange our sin for the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. He forgives us when we confess our sin to Him and turn away from our sin and turn toward living the rest of our life for His glory and for His praise. We we see that 
in the life of the psalmist. But when we repent and turn today through Jesus, we begin to experience and continue every single day living with what I call Thanksgiving praise. And so that's where we turn today. As a result of repentance, we give thanks to the Lord along with the psalmist for He is good. It's His nature. It's His history. It's who He is from everlasting to everlasting. And today you can reap the benefit of giving praise and thanksgiving to Him. See, salvation turning away from my sin and turning to making all of life about Jesus begins with repentance. And so, from the context of this psalm, we demonstrate repentance when we do three things. And again, I said it, today's message is very simple. I think you'll be able to follow it. The first thing we demonstrate is that we look back and we look back and we be thankful. We see that in verses 1 through 3. You read it together this morning. But look, it says, Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all His praise? Blessed are they who observe justice and do righteousness at all times. Now, there are a lot of challenges in that little paragraph. First of all, in the middle of all of our rebellion, along with the psalmist, we have to be willing to admit that God is good. God never changes. The Bible tells us that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is good. Verse 1 tells us that His steadfast love, that means that You can't do anything to change the fact that God loves you. Your actions toward God do not alter His love for you. His steadfast love does not cease when you and I rebel against Him. His faithfulness, on the other hand, draws us to Him like a magnet. When we confess our sin, He's forgiving us of our sin. And like a magnet, He draws us to Himself to praise Him. Verse 3 tells us that His justice and righteousness are perfect models for us. In all seasons of life, in all circumstances, no matter what is happening in our life or around our life. So the perfect model of God's goodness, the perfect model of God's goodness is demonstrated through Jesus. Who is Jesus? Well, God Himself became flesh. He became a human and lived among us. His name is Jesus. And He doesn't cast us out when we sin. In fact, He always draws us to accept His forgiveness when we sin. And so when we sin, we shouldn't run away from God. We shouldn't try to hide from God. We should admit our sin and receive the forgiveness that He died to pay the price to give us. No exceptions to that. You can't can't sin a sin that God is not willing to forgive. So be willing to join the psalmist today and Live a life of repentance. In verse 5 of Psalm 106, the Bible gives the purpose for repenting. He says, that I may look upon the prosperity of your chosen ones. And so what is the psalmist saying? He's saying, I look back and I see how merciful God is. When I look back and ask God to forgive me and have a repentant heart and turn away from my sin and turn back to God, God hears me. I'm a chosen one of His. We see how merciful God is. And then in verse 6 through verse 46, last week we looked at the fact that, you know, there's the the longest uh, heart of repentance recorded in the Bible in Psalm 6 to 46. 
But the psalmist looks back and he, he, he tracks the perfect provision that God has for his people throughout history. You can't outsend God's forgiveness. You can't outsend God's mercy. So why not repent of your sin and turn to living life fully about representing God and receiving His glory in your life? Now, a word of caution here, because often the word prosperity is misunderstood. See, this is not advocating the prosperity gospel. In the 17th century, there was a Puritan pastor named William Bates. And he said that wealth, honor, and fame often contribute to the downfall of Christians. Now, you know how that works. I mean, when, when, when we're in comfort, when things are going really positive in our life, we just seem to forget about God rather than turning back to Him. I would add to that list, you know, entitlement and, and comfort. Because when we feel entitled, when we feel comfortable in this world, it's easy to forget about God. Uh, British pastor Charles Haddon Spurgeon built the largest church a century ago uh, in the Christian world. And he said, and I quote, It is anti-Christian and unholy for any Christian to live with the object of accumulating wealth. No matter what name is used, name it and claim it gospel, or blab it and grab it gospel, <laughs> health and wealth gospel, prosperity gospel, positive profession gospel, any name you want to use, it is simply a false gospel. He goes on and says, This prosperity gospel teaches that God wants believers to be physically healthy, materially wealthy, and personally happy. And this is wholly inadequate and unbiblical in the relationship between God and man. What is that saying? Well, it's saying that Christians are going to get sick. I mean, Christians are going to die. Christians are, I mean, the Bible promises that if you stand up for Jesus, you will be hated by the world. You might even be martyred, like thousands of people have for the cause of Christ. It doesn't mean that you're going to be materially wealthy to be prosperous in following Christ. So what does it mean? Well, when we think about prosperity... We have to think about looking at life through God's terms. I'll give you an example. Think about our church. We look back and we celebrate what God has done through this church. Um, we just spent our 15th Thanksgiving on this particular campus. Some of you go back and remember with us in the early days, we launched the church over in Carolina Forest at Ocean Bay Elementary School. We were invited to come there. We launched on Easter Sunday, and for four months, God blessed us and poured out His blessings in the meeting area of, of that church. But then the principal retired and moved to Arizona, and a new principal came in. The first day that she moved in, I met her in the, church par in the uh, school parking lot. She was walking out across the parking lot, and I went up and introduced myself. I said, my name's Ronnie Bird. I'm the pastor of the church that meets here. She said, I don't want you here. I said, what? She said, I have too many problems to deal with, and I don't want a church meeting here on this property. And so, by God's sovereignty, by God's grace, we had to move out here. And this was a warehouse. Uh, only about a third, two-thirds of this building was here. And we moved into this warehouse, and by God's sovereignty, this former warehouse became a house of worship. And since moving to Sacristy, you would agree that hundreds of lives have been transformed through the ministry of this church. There are churches literally planted all around the world through the ministry of this church. I'm so thankful today that to the glory of God, 
This church is debt-free. Our focus is on ministry and reaching out to people in this community and, and around the world. And that's true because many people here in this church have been faithful in stewardship of money, faithful in volunteer investments like seven or eight people came out yesterday and served one of our families for a funeral service. And that's awesome to use the gifts that God has given us to invest in people and making all of life about Jesus in practical ways. But along with the heart of the psalmist, when we look back, <clears throat> even with thanksgiving, there are some regrets. We have some areas where we as well need to join the psalmist in repentance. See, prosperity is more than just a matter of dollars and cents. It's more about the investment that God has made in us with His gospel. And we're charged by God. He's trusted us to share His glory with every man, woman, and child who hasn't yet come to know Jesus. How faithful have we been in accepting that responsibility, receiving that charge, that commission that God has given us to use our lives to bring glory and praise to Him? Yes, I look back and I celebrate, but I also look back and have to repent about some missed opportunities that I've had in the past, that we've had in the past. God's mercy, God's grace is abundant. Are we making that count for His glory today? The Bible says, blessed are those who observe justice and do righteousness at all times as I look back and think about that quality of God God is righteous God is just God is merciful at all times he's righteous at all times is that part of him reflected in your life in my life at all times Sadly, I have to look back, and I do have to repent, along with the psalmist. Justice and righteousness are parts of the image of God that you and I have the opportunity to reflect at all times. It's not our righteousness, it's not our justice, it's His. But we're reflectors when we're walking in His Spirit. So I want to challenge you today to look back and be thankful, and a part of that thanksgiving is God accepting the repentant heart that we have. Secondly, I want to challenge us to look forward and be thankful. Not only look back and be thankful, but look forward and be thankful. One of the people I follow on Twitter is a pastor by the name of Paul Tripp. He's a resource person for people like, like us. And here's what he said on Thanksgiving Day, and I quote, he said, A thankful heart comes when you're more committed to counting your blessings than numbering your complaints. Now, I believe he is 100% correct with that statement. See, the rearview mirror is essential. We need to look back and repent. We need to look back and rejoice. But we don't need to drive through life looking at the rearview mirror. What happens if you drive down the road always looking in the rearview mirror? You're going to run into me, <laughs> and I'm not going to like that. And that's the way life is. We don't drive through life looking in the rearview mirror. We use it for its purpose, but we have to be willing to look forward and move on beyond the repentant heart that we have from things that we've done in the past. And thanksgiving begins with repentance. Let me say that again. Thanksgiving begins with repentance, but it doesn't end there. It forces us to look forward 
for the blessings that God has given us and look forward and be thankful. Verse 4 of Psalm 106 says, Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them. So after more than two generations of bondage, the, the psalmist looked forward to restoration that God was bringing. He understood that he was in bondage because of his rebellion against God. His people were in bondage because of their rebellion against God. And they needed to look forward to God's restoration. In verse 6, look at what he admitted. He admitted that both we and our fathers have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedness. Now we said this last week, but it bears repeating again. Saying, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? It's not easy. It's, it's not easy to be sincere and actually say that and really mean it. But rather than drowning in the shame and regret of the past, the psalmist challenges us to look forward to the rejoicing that we have in the name of God. So this psalm uh, reminds us that there are about three things that we need to remember about the past. Number one, we look at the life of the psalmist and he did not excuse his sins. He didn't excuse the sins of his family. In fact, from verse 6 to verse 46, he remembers the rebellion. He remembers the sins. And that's important. But secondly, he didn't let his behavior and the behavior of his people toward God change their faith in God. He still had his faith fixed on the love and the mercy of God, which never changes. You and I change every day. We fall back into patterns of sin every day. But God never changes. And when we put our faith and trust in Him, we're putting our faith and trust in an anchor that never changes. And the psalmist didn't let his behavior toward God change his faith in God. And then thirdly, he owned his own sin. He prayed for the day when he and his people would be restored to the joy of the Lord. God's love, God's mercy never changes. He will never stop loving you. He will never stop offering His mercy and forgiveness to you. And so today, we can celebrate by looking forward, knowing that when we confess our sin, He is faithful, He is just, He's going to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. The Thanksgiving song of the psalmist's heart is recorded in verse 1. He said, God is good. His steadfast love endures forever. So let me ask you today, are you, are you stuck in the old behaviors of life, the old patterns of life? Is it time for you to join the psalmist and move out of the past, move away from looking in the rearview mirror and look toward God and His blessings in your life? Psalm 106, verse 5, continues. The psalmist says, That I may look upon the prosperity of your chosen ones. Then he says, That I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation. See, you were not created to live in misery. What causes misery in our life is being bogged down with the circumstances around us rather than keeping our focus our forward focus on walking through those circumstances with our hand in the hand of God. And the psalmist had this perspective. He said, yes, we must repent of the past, but we also must refocus on running back to God. Running back and walking through life, rejoicing in the gladness of the Lord. That comes by claiming our identity in Him. And again, there are three truths to this part of repentance. Number one, 
Repentance begins with being sorry and asking God to forgive our sin. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to ask the Holy Spirit of God to show you the sin in your life and be willing to turn away from that sin and leave it behind and leave it in the hands of God and turn back to Him? Secondly, it's asking God to forgive our sin, but then move away from it. Leave it behind. See, just asking for forgiveness is not full repentance. So thirdly, repentance is only complete when we turn away from our sin and allow God to restore us into our relationship with Him. That's when repentance becomes complete. All true relationship is built on trust. And when we trust God to forgive us of our sin, when we repent of it and turn away from it, then we can trust the fact that He's going to restore our relationship with Him. And that's what brings rejoicing back to our life. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 19 The Bible says, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. See how this works. We repent. We turn back to God. God blots out our sins. He takes away our sins. He cleanses us from our sin. And He replaces that sin in our life with times of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord. You can't know God without praising Him. You can't walk with God without His presence exuding from your life. So I have to ask you today, is is that the story of your life? I have to ask myself, is that the story of my life? See, your relationship with God is a life of rejoicing not dependent on circumstances. I also believe that there's some marriages, probably here today, that could use that kind of repentance. Confessing sin to each other, leaving it behind, and letting that relationship be restored to walk forward together, rejoicing in the Lord. I bet there's some friendship relationships in your life that could use that kind of repentance. I bet you there's some student-parent relationships that could use that kind of repentance today. That's what the joy of the Lord is produced by. It all begins with trusting God in our repentance journey. But Psalm 106 verse 5 doesn't end there. The Bible says that I may look upon the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, and that I may glory in your inheritance. Glory in your inheritance. So looking forward and glorying God's inheritance is a benefit of the relationship that we have that's been restored by our repentance. The psalmist only had a glimpse of what God's inheritance is. Today, we have a much fuller view of that inheritance because Jesus has completed the picture of the inheritance that we have in God for us. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you are you more excited today about what God has in store for us in the heavens, in the future, in heaven, than you are about holding on to the things of this world today. 
The psalmist had a great picture. He had a great understanding of what the inheritance that he had in God was all about. He was only looking at the earthly part, but we have what Jesus prepared for us, that place in heaven. Jesus said in John chapter 14, Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go and prepare a place for you. Jesus said this. It's a promise from him. I go and prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. I don't know about you, but I can get excited about that. I can get excited about that inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven, not because of anything I've done, but because of everything that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, has done. So are you thankful today in allowing God to get maximum glory for you returning to Him and allowing you to let your life glow in serving in His name? He's rewired us with the power to give glory to Him. And that's what I pray that you're thankful for today. And that as you look forward, you're looking forward to more and more opportunities to serve Him. More and more opportunities to praise Him. Over the years, God has truly blessed me. I, I just, I know, with thousands of relationships. It's been an awesome part of ministry. Relationships literally around the world. Yesterday afternoon, right here in this auditorium, we had a family that gathered here, and one of the highlights of yesterday was a video that the family had and gave us to share. John Dempsey was 69 years old when he professed faith in Jesus Christ through baptism. We, we, we replayed that on the screen yesterday. Saw him standing there in the baptism waters and professing faith in Jesus for the first time in his life. He spent the next 10 years, even though he had COPD and he struggled, especially through COVID, he spent the rest of his life allowing God to use his life to share a witness about Jesus with everybody. I told the group yesterday, John was the kind of man who literally would share Jesus with a signpost. I mean, anybody that would listen to him, anything that was there, he would share the love of Jesus with them because his life had been radically transformed at 69 years young to be able to share Jesus with other people. And now, July 2nd, this year, He was ushered into heaven and to spend an eternity giving praise and glory to God. And no telling how many people are going to be there and join him in that celebration because of his witness. One of my best friends died about 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago. He spent most of his life chasing after pleasure. And the day he repented and gave his life to Jesus... Everything about his life changed. God reached into his life and rewired him and changed the attitude of his life. And no telling how many people have come to see Jesus and understand the testimony of what Jesus can do to change a man's life radically than, than Charlie did. He made his life with Jesus count from the day he trusted Jesus throughout the rest of his life. My prayer today as we look forward to being thankful for what God has in store for us, that, that we will join the hundreds and thousands and even millions of people from the past who have let Jesus Christ transform and rewire their life and give glory to Him. You can be that person. And I pray that will be true about your life from today on for the rest of your life. But let me ask you as you pause and reflect is that your story 
See, when you trust Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you're saved, and you'll spend eternity with Jesus. But there's so much that God can use your life for bringing glory to Him if you'll simply make all of life about Jesus. So are you doing that? It can be your story. It can be my story. But we have to be willing to live for the future and stop drowning in the past. And I pray that will be the story of your life today. So look back and be thankful. But then don't stop there. Look forward and be thankful. And then thirdly, I will challenge you to look up and be thankful. In verse 47, the psalmist said, Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. See, when you get knocked down, there's only one place you can look. And that's up. When your life is in bondage with sin, there's only one place to look, and that's look up at the cross of Jesus and let Him do what He came to do. He's not mad at you for being a sinner. He's pleading with you to cast that sin upon Him because that's why He came to this earth, to die for the penalty of your sin. And you are honoring Jesus the most when you confess your sin and repent of your sin and turn toward God and say, Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. Now I want to spend the rest of my life celebrating life with you. Look up and be thankful. How aware of you are you today that there are things in your life that you do need saving from? Are you aware that Every single day of your life is an opportunity for you to live confessing sin and letting Jesus pay the price for the penalty of your sin, that which He's already done, but receive that gift today of His salvation. See, He saves you for eternity when you put your faith in Him. But I don't know about you. I've, out of the thousands of people that I've been in relationship in my life, there's one thing consistent about every single one of them, including myself. None are perfect. <laughs> the Bible says we're all sinners. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. But then we need to realize that Jesus Christ has promised us that if we confess our sin, He's going to forgive us. So are you aware that you need saving? And if you are, then secondly, what is keeping you from giving thanks and glory and praise to God today? See, the psalmist said, save us, O Lord our God. Are you willing to pray that prayer? God, save me from my sin today. Gather me from my wandering away from you wandering to the foreign nations. Help me to give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. What's, what's keeping you from doing that today? Maybe you have hurts from the past. Maybe somebody has, has hurt you in the past and you're holding on to that and that's keeping you from receiving God's forgiveness because you're holding a grudge, you're holding a hurt against somebody else. Maybe there's a habit in your life that you try to quit, you try to overcome that habit, but the more you try to overcome it, the more you fall to it. Jesus understands that. Confess that habit to Him. And ask Him to replace that habit with something better. Maybe reading the Word, or maybe spending time praying, maybe putting people in your life that can help you overcome that, that habit, that bad habit so that you can maximally give glory to Him. The hurts of the past, the habits, the hang-ups that we have. Don't let any of that stand in your way of receiving the praise and glory that God wants to give you so you can praise Him 
and glory in His name. Finally today, I challenge you to look up and repent and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. And listen to this. That times of refreshing may pour into your life. See, that is the goal of God working in your life, that you could be refreshed, that you could be vibrant, excited about standing up for Jesus and letting Him change your life. The psalmist said it this way in verse 48. He said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. How long is from everlasting to everlasting? <laughs> that, that really means that there's never a time when it didn't exist. There never will be a time when it doesn't exist. That's the glory of God. It always has been. He always has been glorious. He always will be glorious. From everlasting to everlasting, let all the people say amen. Praise the Lord. Jesus said it this way, the lawyer came to him, the, the Pharisee came to him and said, what, 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 what's this eternal life that you talk about? And here's how Jesus framed it. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life everlasting life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him through Jesus might be saved if you are living under condemnation today it's your choice it's because you've chosen that God has chosen to set you free from any condemnation God has chosen in fact to take my condemnation and your condemnation and put it on Jesus. And when we understand that, when we accept that, we can't help but say, along with the psalmist, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And that's why Thanksgiving is such a favorite time of mine every year. I do love Thanksgiving because it's a heart check. And I hope you're letting God check your heart today. It reminds me that I owe everything to Him. And it reminds me of how valuable my relationship is with Him. I don't want anything to stand between my relationship and the relationship that God has with me, and I trust that that's your prayer as well. When you came in today, there should be a communion cup pack in your, in your seat. I'd like to ask you to join me in taking the, the bread out of the cup and opening up the cup. Everlasting life is packaged in this picture. And Jesus knew that when he asked us to remember him through communion, through the Lord's Supper. The bread represents the fact that God became flesh. He came to this earth to live just like you and me. The cup represents the fact that the blood of Jesus was voluntarily poured out. Nobody took Jesus' life. He voluntarily shed His blood, poured out His blood to pay the price for the penalty of my sin and your sin. And so today, as we move from what we call Thanksgiving into the Christmas season, I want to challenge you to join me in giving thanks to God for becoming flesh and living among us and dying for the penalty of our sin. And Father, I pray that as we prepare our hearts to eat the bread and drink the cup like you've commanded us to do, God, I pray that 
right now your Holy Spirit would convict us of any sin in our life, any rebellion in our life against you. And when your Holy Spirit convicts us of that, I pray that we will be quick to confess it and repent of it and be willing to turn away from it and be willing to let all of our life, everything about our life, be all about Jesus. So thank you today for coming and living among us and then dying for us. And today we join together as a church family and we celebrate the fact that we eat this today in remembrance of you until you come again. In Jesus' name we worship. Father, again today, I thank you for giving us a heart of repentance. Thank you for promising us that when we repent, you do give us a new heart. You do rewire us. God, I pray that that valuable relationship time that you offer to us every single day would be something we take advantage of, we're fully aware of. I pray that you would reveal yourself to us in such a way that we would desire more than anything else to be loved by you and to love you and be willing to talk about you with our family, with our friends, neighbors, with every man, woman, and child who may need to see your glory shine through our life when they might not be able to see it any other way. God, thank you for giving us a repentant heart and help us to live through this Christmas season with the joy of the Lord in our life and with a celebration spirit to worship you not just on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday as well. And so now, God, in Jesus' name, we continue to worship.